Uh, welcome, everybody, to The Commentarians. My name is Joe, this month's host. And I'm Gina, film fanatic. And we're here to talk over your movies. Uh, hi, everyone. Welcome to The Commentarians. Is this Prairie Home Companion? Husband Bulge is now a part of my permanent vocabulary. <laughs> I saw a squirrel. I am going to point out real quick, this to me is like the most disturbing scene in the entire movie. Stop listening right now and go watch Firefly. Hey, this is my podcast. I'm sorry, sorry, Joe. <laughs> we are saying that not only have we been wounded, we survive, and there's a God who heals of these wounds. Jesus isn't about the isms. Uh, he's about his kingdom. Because it is kind of like this idea that Jesus died for all of our sins, except when you had sex. And Jesus doesn't cover that. Uh, welcome, everyone, to the, this month's episode. Today we're doing Casablanca, as I'm sure you know, and I'm here with, as you heard, Gina DeFonso back again. How you doing? Happy to be back and happy to be doing this movie. Yeah. So uh, what made you want to do this movie this uh, this month? Um. Well, obviously, it's a great movie. It's a much beloved movie, and... Uh, as I think I've mentioned before, I do a lot of uh, talking classic movies on Twitter. And the last time Casablanca was on and, and we all were chattering away uh, with the TCM party, it, it just struck me, this would be a really fun one to do on the commentariats. I mean, Casablanca is one of those movies that you just can never stop talking about because there's so much interesting. Uh, there, there's the whole story of, of all that was going on during the production. Um, who all was involved in it and what was going on at the time. Mm -hmm. So it was a social commentary on world events and the acting is wonderful. The writing is immortal. I mean, there's just so <laughs> much to say. I was like, we got to do this one. So as you know, I contacted you and the rest is history. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think I probably mentioned this in the coming attractions. Uh, this is my favorite movie of all time. I've probably seen this movie more than any other movie except for maybe The Princess Bride because it was on television so much or The Godfather. But this is definitely one that I've seen more than any other movie, and I love it every time. So uh, we should jump right into it. Do you want to say anything before we start? Anything, any background? Because I have something to mention. Any background on the movie? Yeah, before we start or anything? Or... If you have something, you, you go ahead. Yeah, uh, I just wanted to say that uh, at the time of the filming, uh, filming when it was – when it was, I think it was a play before, right? It was originally a play. I don't think the play had ever been published or performed at the time, though. Okay, because it was written before the United States went into war with uh, with Germany. Uh, mm -hmm. And so the fact that a pop culture production of, of world events was very anti-Nazi was very different than what uh, the public had you know, felt at the time. Uh, people knew what was happening. They weren't happy about it, but they certainly weren't against it. And the government was against the Nazis. They didn't like what was happening, uh, but they couldn't justifiably go into war with another country, especially uh, after uh, after uh, you know they just ended World War One. The you know the public, the American public, wasn't uh, quite uh, ecstatic about going into another war, such a big war. So the United States still hadn't entered when the uh, when the play was written, and certainly not when the screenplay was written. But by the time the movie was produced, 
there were, you know, we were already in war at war. And you're going to see, we're going to discuss how many, how that influenced actually the production of the movie, because a lot of actors actually were refugees from, uh, from Europe, escaping the Nazis. So we'll certainly be talking a lot about that. Just wanted to give you a little bit of background of uh, what was happening in the world uh, during the making of the movie. So there we go. Uh, anything you want to add? Uh, I think that uh, that was pretty uh, thorough. It, and it's it's just <laughs> one of the most intriguing facts about the movie. And I think one of the things that gives it so much resonance and so mm. much reality. Yes. Uh, and, uh, and, and it's something that comes through, I think, even for people that that aren't familiar with with that fact. But uh, now that all our listeners are <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, with even more interest. So, uh, yeah, so happy to happy to uh, share all about that. Yeah. OK, so let's get started. We are paused at about nine seconds. So uh, if you guys want to get there. If you're not watching, again, I say this every time, if you're not watching, that's okay. Just uh, you can listen along. Uh, but if you're watching, we're at nine seconds. I'm going to do a countdown and press play at, uh, when I say play, three, two, one, play. Okay, so here's the intro. Humphrey Bogart, Ingrid Bergman, Paul Hen uh, Henreid, mm -hmm. and in Casablanca. And... Uh, yeah. Yeah, some of the uh, amazing actors, Claude Rains and Peter Laurie, Sidney Greenstreet, some mm -hmm. amazing actors in this. Uh, and they're going to give you a kind of a little bit of a background as the movie starts. Uh, the movie takes place in Morocco, in a city called Casablanca, uh, where a lot of people have been trying to escape uh, Germany and trying to get to the United States, and they end up in Morocco uh, waiting for a way to get to the United States. And uh, <laughs> I, I kind of wrote, yeah, I kind of messaged you uh, asking, how good can this movie be if it doesn't really make a lot of sense? There's a lot of things about this movie that doesn't make sense, yet we forgive it because it's such an amazing movie, right? Uh, letters of Transit, if you possess Letters of Transit, you can leave Casablanca, why would Nazis let people leave? Why wouldn't they arrest Victor Laszlo the moment he walked into a room? <laughs> you know, none of that makes sense. But uh, why do we forgive it in this movie, do you think? Well, after you messaged me about that, I spent some time thinking about it. And I think I, I pondered the question, okay, are the letters of transit something, what Hitchcock would call a MacGuffin, mm. which was his term, uh, his famous term for a plot device that the act that sort of spurs the action, but the audience doesn't actually care about. Right. And uh, having given it some thought, I think the letters, I mean, you raise an interesting point and, and we could, we could talk about that quite a bit, but I don't think they would classify as a MacGuffin because they represent something that's at the heart of the movie, which is everybody's desperate desire to get out of uh, Casablanca. So, um, however much sense they make or don't make, we we sort of have to care about them as the audience. We, we have to go along with the characters and caring about them and wondering what happened to them. But um, yeah, as you say, I don't I don't know why why there would be letters of transit. It, it's a fascinating <laughs> thought, you know. Yeah. It, 
you almost now want to see the prequel. Okay, how did how did the letters of transit come to be, and who were they originally for? And like, did somebody bribe somebody or do somebody a favor, or or what was the original intention? Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, there's all kinds of places you could go with that, and it, it's really <laughs> really interesting to think about. Yeah. But I, I just think that the movie is such so well acted, so beautifully made that and it's the device that moves the plot forward and it's such an amazing story. So I think that that's why we kind of ignore it. We, we just accept yeah. it. Yeah, of course. Letters of Transit, uh, which if you don't know, they're arresting a bunch of people here on screen because two soldiers who had the Letters of Transit were murdered and those letters were taken. And they're rounding up, I would imagine, kind of the uh, swindlers, the uh, the black market uh, the, folks. The usual sexes. The, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. so, yeah, and they're searching everyone to see who, like, you know, where they, and uh, of course, the first uh, sign of the resistance. Uh, yeah. Paperwork, you know, kind of propaganda papers of the uh, the resistance that exists in Morocco. And again, this is uh, this is a French colony that uh, since uh, Germany uh, overtook uh, France, now it's uh, Nazi-occupied. And there's a lot of French police who kind of switch sides to kind of keep their jobs and to keep themselves safe. So It's such a theme in this movie. The, the people who aren't on aren't necessarily on the bad side aren't necessarily on the good side but are just compromising to go along and to stay safe yeah um, it's it, such a big theme um probably uh captain renault who we'll see soon mm -hmm. um is, is the one figure that most exemplifies that but um it's it's just a big theme throughout and it it uh you know it raises interesting ideas i mean you see people people there are people compromising in all sorts of ways and there are people who just stay quiet and keep their heads down and try to survive mm -hmm. and then there are people victor laszlo for instance who are determined to um do the right thing even if even if it means risking their life so so you have sort of a spectrum here and it's it's really fascinating to sort of see where all the characters locate themselves on that spectrum and how they sort of move back and forth on it sometimes. Yeah. I mean, even Rick, uh, who is essentially not a terrible man, but not very compassionate. He, his, you know, his line is, I stick my neck out for nobody. Uh, right. Right. And the, he, exactly. yeah, he knows what's happening. He he knows that there's a black market underneath. That the, their resistant fighters in in his cafe that they meet mm -hmm. there. That they uh, you know they try to find a way to escape, and uh, he doesn't care about them, and he doesn't care that there's Nazis you know walking around his bar. Although he does, you know, depending on who you are, he will or won't allow into the v the VIP section, you know. Right. So he does have some moral compass on some yeah. level things going on under the surface which are interesting but now we have the french welcoming the the french officials welcoming the german officials mm -hmm. to casablanca and here we have captain Reynolds, who was i was just talking about and i warn everybody right now i'm going to be majorly claude rains fangirling through this whole thing <laughs> because i adore him and he's wonderful he is. and i don't think anybody could have played this part like him we will we will see him doing morally gray things we will see him doing out and out 
bad things. Mm -hmm. But the way Reigns plays this, I mean, you just can't help but just (laughs) be fascinated by this guy and his his strutting around with his jaunty hat and his little one liners. And I mean, you just (laughs) but he's. He yeah he's almost as he's almost like one of the swindlers one of the black market guys because he's he's got his own little business underneath mm-hmm. he helps people out who don't deserve it or who do and it's all to benefit himself so to benefit he, himself yeah yeah so he screws over the Nazis he helps the Nazis it's just all depending on what you know what benefits him and he's majorly using his authority to benefit himself I mm-hmm. mean you know yeah. Um, th- there, there was our first look at Julie Wilson, who plays Sam and is also great. Uh, an interesting thing I found when I was reading up on this movie to do this podcast is that the black piano player was a, a holdover from the original play. Hmm. Um, there are, I'd love to read the play someday because I know there are like tons and tons of differences, but the the original setup was a cafe full of refugees and and people from all countries and there was a black piano player so sam was you could say one of the original factors uh, <laughs> that got got uh, carried over into the movie and dooley wilson i understand he he sang but he did not actually play the piano but he gives a great imitation of somebody playing a piano yeah and he <laughs> he's, he, he's a wonderful wonderful part of this movie I just found that out. I, I, my whole life, I didn't know he wasn't playing. I was just so <laughs> captivated by him that I just, yeah, of course he's playing. <laughs> yeah. he Apparently, he could play the drums and I think maybe one or two other instruments. And obviously, he could sing, but he wasn't a pianist. And so he watched somebody else play and imitated the movements. Mm. Um, so, but, but the singing voice is all his and it's a very good one. And his, his songs really, uh, contribute a lot yeah. think, to the atmosphere of the movie. And here in the, the opening, kind of an introduction to the, uh, to the cafe, we have a ton of people, refugees who are, you know, frustrated, waiting, trying to find a way out. Uh, our introduction to Rick here also playing chess. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. The coolest guy in Hollywood right now, let me tell you. The definition of cool, that was uh, Bogart. Yeah. But uh, all these folks are, all these extras are actual, well, many of them are refugees from Europe who escaped mm-hmm. Nazi Germany as it was right, as it was coming to power. And they, because they were actors, because they were filmmakers, they went to Hollywood trying to find work and they could find work being extras. And here, you know, playing refugees trying mm-hmm. to escape and so they are personally affected like you know understand and, what's happening here it's yeah it, it's amazing and a lot of the main cast too we just got a glimpse of peter lorry oh, uh, apparently he, he uh left germany left europe when hitler came to power uh as i was reading up on this so many not not just of the extras but also the main cast either had fled europe uh as the Nazis came to power or had refuge, I'm sorry, had relatives who got stuck in Europe or who were fleeing Europe. So, um, Peter Lorre, I, I think, um, I think he left from actually from Germany itself, but there were a number of Jewish people, uh, among the cast, among the writers as well, I think. Mm, yeah. Um, so, I mean, these were people who got it. <laughs> right. You, you, 
again that there is an authenticity in this movie because these people knew they they, they weren't just making a piece of propaganda churned out by the studio that they, they they had a uh, I mean they had skin in the game they, yeah. they knew who it was they knew what the Nazis were they knew firsthand what what we were fighting and I mean that they had real reason to make this movie beyond just a paycheck. Yeah, I I was I used to be a huge fan of history. Um, it was my favorite subject in school, and I love it when history and pop culture intersect, because yeah. you know uh, in this, all these people are here in this movie because of what happened, and in in Nazi Germany because of the rise to power of the Third Reich and. Germany, uh, you know, Berlin especially, was one of the most artistically, you know, advanced uh, cities in the world. It's where artists went. We had Paris and London and New York and Mexico City were artists like, uh, you know, uh, like uh, Hemingway and, you know, all these, you know, Fitzgerald. They all hung out together. And Berlin was one of these places. And what was interesting about Berlin was that it had the most amazing filmmakers in the world. Yeah. If you yeah. like, I mean, the cabinet of Dr. Caligari, which is uh, from the 1920s, is one of the first uh, film noirs and pro possibly one of the first horror movies. Uh, we're talking about Peter Lorre here. M, if you've never seen M, it is a German yeah. film. It is unbelievable. And it is made incredible because of his acting. And he yeah. only shows up at the end, and it is unbelievably great. I'm such a huge fan of Peter Lorre because of that. It, mm -hmm. it, so, and again, Metropolis, <laughs> another amazing movie. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and so many of them came here because of of uh, the Nazis. Billy yeah. Wilder came over here. Mm. Um, who was I? Oh, um, Ernst Lubitsch, I think. Mm. Uh, came here to get away from the Nazis, or I, I, I'm 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 a little fuzzy on the timelines of all of them coming here. But but the more the Nazis uh, gained power, the more directors and actors and writers flocked over here. And so yeah, uh, he did do itself ended up being our game in a lot of ways uh, on the uh, artistic front. Yeah. Now here, here goes Bogey slipping the letters into the piano, very smooth. <laughs> yeah, he was. Uh... <laughs> Not hiding in plain sight. <laughs> yeah, Peter Laurie, his character uh, had the letters in transit, and uh, you know, kind of you know, that kind of gained him a little bit of respect of Rick's respect. Uh, asked mm -hmm. Rick to hold them, you know, just at least for a day, while uh, you know, while he finds a buyer, because he's mm -hmm. and he's uh, looking for a way out of Casablanca, and he thinks that this is his big score. Once he sells this. You know, and even this actor here, who's the uh, the uh, the bar owner of the blue the blue parrot, who wants to buy Rick's cafe, or no, no, he wants to hire. Uh, he wants to hire Sam, but I think Sam. he also likes to take over um, everything, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sydney Greenstreet here, who yeah. is so interested in the Maltese Falcon and, and other movies. Um, again, this cast is just insanely good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he he, uh, I think would like to to take over everything, and and it's an interesting thing, um, Rick having this cafe and sort of staking out his little territory here in this place where everybody else is trying to get away. Mm -hmm. 
he he's he's got an interesting thing going where he he just wants to plant roots and stay here yeah. <laughs> and not go anywhere. And everybody else is trying to get away. And and he's actually made a very good business for himself out of that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and he uh, he actually was a, a freedom fighter for the you know. Uh, trying to fight the Nazis, and he felt, you know, he lost his faith in the, in the war. So he, this is where he ended up, and he's very secretive. Nobody knows where he's from or what he did, you know. So he's, yeah. and he just, he, that's how he likes it. He doesn't like, although he's planted roots here, like you said, he will not, you know, he will not, uh, you know, make friends with anybody around him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Madeline LeBeau, the actress right here, was another refugee. She and her husband, I think her husband is the guy behind the bar or or, or somebody here in the cafe. Mm. Any, anyone. Um, I mean, her real life husband, not the character's husband. Anyway, they were refugees from uh, Nazi Germany yeah. um, or from Nazi dominated Europe. So, again, another, yet another two examples. Yeah, I- I think this is what I heard from uh, Roger Ebert when I heard him talking about this. I think only four members of the of the cast are actual, like, American-born. Everyone else are, is, like, from another country. And many of them are refugees from Nazi Germany. So that's how, you know, how diverse this cast is, that nobody, almost nobody was an American. Right. Right. To, to quote Hamilton, immigrants, we get the job done. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so many movies. And what's interesting is that, uh, you know, as, as the Nazis came to power, uh, what's it, Goebbels, who was the, you know, minister of propaganda for the Nazis, said that the Jews were destroying Germany with their, with their films and with their art. They're the worst thing that happened to German, you know, art. And he picked 10 movies that truly represented Germany. 10 movies that these are what Germany's about. And of course, as you would probably guess, eight out of the 10 were from Jewish filmmakers. Like, that's how, you know. But, go ahead. Shooting yourself in the foot. In yeah. A, in a, and, and yeah. It was, and, but yeah, I've seen uh, Inglorious Bastards. They, they talk about that a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the how they were trying to m- compete with the world. Uh, in filmmaking, and they just couldn't pull it off because, you know, when you get rid of every important, you know, the, the most talented people in your country, it's... Uh... Yeah, I mean, it's it's bonkers when you think about it. I mean, to, to try and, and proclaim that Germany is the greatest, you know, the greatest nation on earth, ahead of the pack and everything, and then getting rid of all the people who made it any good. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> And, you know, being left with propaganda and mediocrity, I mm-hmm. mean, it's just the irony is just over the top. Yeah. Uh, uh, we, we've been watching uh, and Louis again. And, and um, earlier in the scene, uh, uh, here we see uh, Louis. Louis going to set up the arrest of um, Ugarte, Peter Laurie's character. Mm-hmm. And uh, Rick is happy to go along with that. But earlier in the scene, um, I I forget exactly at what point, Rick said something about how he doesn't buy and sell human beings, which is uh, a valuable little early indication of what's going on under under this unflappable, uh, uncaring surface of of Rick, because Mm -hmm. so much of the business of Casablanca is buying and selling human beings. And Louis Reynolds is engaged in it in his own way with his little games of, 
you know, getting women to sleep with him for visas. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a very interesting thing. I, I I do know what had happened. It's when, um, the guy wants to buy Sam, so to speak from, um, and, and Rick says, I don't buy and sell human beings. And, and, um, what's his name? Sydney Greenstreet's character says, says, well, everybody else in Casablanca doesn't, and he's not far wrong. So, so that's, um, a very small, but very important little, um, remark on Rick's part that, that he doesn't do it. Yeah. Even, uh, Ugart, is that, I forget how you pronounce it, but he was, uh, you know, that's what Rick's problem with him is. He's like, I don't, he was explaining to Rick, listen, I, I'm doing these people a favor and if I can make a little bit of a profit from it, then, you know, I'm getting people out of here. And he says, I don't care about a rat. I care about a cut rate one. You know, he's, he could just tell people escape, but he's not, he's trying to profit off of it. And that's his problem with, uh, yeah. Right. Good point. Good point. Uh, here, Rick and Louie are are making their little bet about, um, Victor Laszlo, the, Mm the, uh, uh, resistance leader being able to get away and and uh louis has his great line about i'm only a poor corrupt official <laughs> I, I, <laughs> so many great lines i yeah. mean uh, of, of, of a script that is ab- absolutely crammed full with uh great lines louis has i think the majority of them and that's <laughs> i would say so yeah because i i quote rick i've been quoting rick since middle school but uh yeah these yeah Renault's uh, lines are just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're, I mean, like I say, he's not a good guy, but he is funny. Yeah. <laughs> and he, and, and he, is, <laughs> he, is, he is something else. I, the Oscar that year for supporting actor went to Charles Coburn in, instead, and I have never forgiven Charles Coburn for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't his fault, but I still have never forgiven him for that because... I, to my dying day, I will say that that Oscar belonged to Claude Rains for this role. Ah, oh, fantastic. And here is uh, Cuddles Sakal, S.C. Sakal, but he was nicknamed Cuddles, yeah. um, who had, I believe, some of his family in Europe were in concentration camps. So again, oh, um, somebody who who had a, a dog in this fight, mm-hmm. um, somebody who knew this stuff up close and personal. Um, he was he was a great character actor, uh, very popular in Hollywood. Did like all kinds of movies, tons of movies. Yeah. And then here we are. These, uh, you know, uh, Renault is explaining to the Nazi officials who just arrived about mm-hmm. the display that they're about to show. They're about to make a a very public arrest of an individual mm-hmm. to show them that we are we're doing a good job here. You know, helping the mm-hmm. the Germans. You know, we yeah. are, in fact, in control when, you know, it's not really much of a control. They they just, they have their own black market. You know, that's how they're mm-hmm. maintaining their control is through their own yeah. black market. Yeah. Yeah. Louis isn't the keep your head down and survive sort of guy. He's the, I mean, again, he, he will, he's a compromising sort of person, but he's the go out of his way to show that he's complying yeah. kind of guy so he, he's he's sort of taken this to another level made an art form out of it and there goes poor ugarte yeah and um again rick is not going to stick his neck out for him yeah and th- this is kind of a rough scene he's like begging rick to help him and rick is kind of he's 
not uh, giving him up. He's just explaining there's no way to escape. Like, there's nothing I could do. If you, and... and, yeah, when, and when you get right down to it, I mean, that's true. I mean, if, 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 if he had managed to get out of the cafe before they showed up, he might have had a chance. But mm. as it was, I mean, where was he going to go? But yeah. it, it does... It does seem so brutal and and uh, so cold. And of course, you know, Rick knows what's happening in his cafe, so he's in his own way by remaining open and catering to the uh, to the Nazis. He's allowing people to escape. If mm-hmm. the, this cafe were to be shut down, then there'd be no that that little you know help that the refugees had would go away. Mm-hmm. So at least they know that they're yeah. safe for the most part in this bar. They're not going to be yeah. you know read it out i i can't think of many other movies that have such a strong i guess sense of place would be the term i mean everything revolves around this cafe like you say mm-hmm. the nazis are there the refugees are there all kinds of little operations are going on under the surface even as these very public demonstrations are going on in front of everybody i mean so much is going on on so many levels, all revolving around this one bar. It, it's um, it's really a masterly uh, demonstration of how you can use a location and almost make it a character in the movie in itself. Mm. And yeah, and he, and you can see what kind of, as Reynolds called him, his diplomatic uh, way of speaking. Uh, Rick isn't, you know, catering to the Nazis. He's not, you know kowtowing to them but he's certainly speaking in a way that's safe you know mm-hmm. uh when he's asking him oh do you you know how what do you think if uh, you know about Paris? like if can you imagine us in paris can you imagine us in london or in new york and he's giving these funny answers mm-hmm. and they know yeah. about him he you know he ran weapons for the uh for the resistance but because he's not a problem they're going to let him continue with his business Mm-hmm. So everybody's, walk- you know, doing something. Yeah, he's walking a very careful line, mm-hmm. and they're letting him know that they they are watching him, and um, everything is very, you know, polite and cordial, and like could turn very bad yeah. <laughs> at, at any moment. So, um, I mean, there's just like a ton of tension built into the situation. Mm. And so he ex- excuses himself and they just, you know, and here's the entrance of, I mean, look, Victor Laszlo mm-hmm. is the most important person of these two, but you wouldn't notice it by how this is shot. You know, mm, good point. <laughs> Elsa is the most important. She is, first of all, stunning. Yeah. And she As is, there tells you something is, is going down here. Yeah. Here we have, uh. Sam recognizes her, and now he's worried about what what it'll do to his friend. Yeah, she and, and she I, knows that this is Rick's place, but I don't know if Victor doesn't know that she knows <laughs> Rick. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot of levels of knowledge going on. Here. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, Paul Henry too, who plays Victor. I think he was another one. Um, I think he was in, he was living in England, but got out 
um, as the Nazis were coming to power in Europe just to uh, be on the safe side. Right, before the bombing started, probably. Yeah, and I, I believe he was of Jewish heritage. Yes, according to my notes, he was. Mm. And so had had reason to believe, you know, this the situation isn't too safe. So, um, yeah, so yet another example of, of uh, a refugee. Hmm. Here we have, uh, yeah, the introduction of the French official to uh, Victor Lazo. Again, one of those things that we forgive. Why don't the Nazis, they know who he is. He is a resistance mm -hmm. fighter. He has escaped prison camps. He is a danger to the Nazi movement. And, but they, you know, for some reason, they're just doing everything by the book, but everything very official. We won't arrest him unless we have actually something solid against him. Like that would never happen. But yeah, it, it does. It does seem like a, a very strange uh, tactic. Right. But again, if we, if that happens, if the letters of transit don't matter, then we don't have a story. And it's right. such right. an amazing story that we forgive it. We don't care. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes sense here. In this world, it does. In this cafe, all this makes sense. And we, you know, and we we love it, for, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I don't think, um, I don't think I've mentioned yet that Conrad Veit, I think that's how you say his last name, who plays Strasser, mm -hmm. uh, also left Nazi uh, Germany or a, I, I don't know if he left directly from Germany or just from Europe, but again, uh, he played a lot of it, during during World War II. He played uh, a number of Nazi characters, and I'm told he always insisted playing them as villains because, I mean, obviously oh, yeah. he had, <laughs> and uh, he he was not the the sort of person who wanted anybody to get any wrong ideas about the Nazis. Right. So. Strasser, we've talked about all the different uh, gray areas people in this film are in. Uh, no gray areas for Strasser. He is out and out evil. Yeah. And uh, and we know that. <laughs> we, we know that from beginning to end. Yeah. And, so, yeah. And like you mentioned before, Victor, he's the good. And, mm -hmm. you know, Strasser is the bad. So these these are the right. poles and everyone else yeah. is in the middle, including Rick. That that's very well put. Yes, that they're at the opposite ends. Here we have a Spanish singer. Yes, and, and um, everybody just sort of watching each other yeah. <laughs> uneasily. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, Victor's contact at the bar. Yeah, uh, to pass information to him. And uh, poor Ilsa being all nervous. Ingrid Bergman, um, interesting thing about her is that she was she was Swedish, of course, mm -hmm. but with her accent at Hollywood at the time was just like, well, you if you have an accent uh, that's like European, you can play like pretty much any European role we'll sling at you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He played so many nationalities. I can't even remember them all. Um, but uh, here, interestingly, I think she was as close to her 
real nationality as she ever got because she was Swedish and this character is Norwegian. So at mm. least we're, <laughs> we're we're in the Scandinavian ballpark here. Right. And we, I mean, she is just an incredible actress. Uh, one of my, uh, Gaslight is a brilliant movie. Oh, and, I love Gaslight. I yeah. love her performance. It's so great. And again, the her beauty is what makes, you know, it's so captivating. And how the camera, the, you know, the, the film, uh, what do you call him? The director of, I don't know. The guy who runs the camera. Just the lighting and the shadows that they put on her face. That yeah. it's so great, and yes, what, what, they really yeah. How to see her? And what is the uh, the the Hitchcock movie that she was in? Was it Notorious or Notorious? Yes, yeah. wonderful. One of my favorites again. Um, oh. Yeah. Um. Say, I love I love how Sam can sort of trundle this little piano around. <laughs> yeah, he can just move it around. <laughs> Which. <laughs> When it's not played for comedy, but one of the funniest mo uh, scenes in the movie happens at the end of this conversation. <laughs> it's when, yeah. when Rick shows up. <laughs> yeah, um, very briefly, um, and I, I we sort of talked past this, but if if there is a flaw in this movie, if there's one flaw in this movie, it's that uh, Ilsa just asked who was the boy playing the piano. Mm. And that word, of course, makes us cringe. And I, it's... I, I don't know why they would give that line to Ilsa because I don't know that Europeans talked about black people that way. I, I yeah. had thought that was Americanism. Uh, so, but uh, it's an unfortunate moment. <laughs> it's, hmm. it's, I don't, again, I don't know why they put it there. Um, and, you know, I, th this movie is as close to perfection as any movie is, yeah. but uh, even, even mostly perfect movies sometimes have a flaw. Yeah, um, she wouldn't talk that way, and nobody would talk that way here in Morocco. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, and, and I don't know. I I, I don't know how it, it got in there. Um, on on Twitter when this movie airs, usually somebody says something like "ew, I hate that," um, but nobody has mentioned. You know, how did that very strange? How, how did that strange and objectionable term tend to be in this context? Yeah, where you wouldn't expect. And I don't know. I don't know. Um, so here comes the the song as yeah. time goes by, which is going to get Rick all rocked back on his heels. Um, and uh, obviously, we're, we're going to see that it's Ilsa and Rick's song. And uh, and but again, this is part of her acting. The way she just looks down. The way her her lips quiver. Mm -hmm. You know she's in distress. You know she's, you know, sadness. And here we have Rick, you know, telling Sam, you're not allowed to play that song in this bar. And Sam's just like, <laughs> I know, poor Sam is, oh, get me out of the middle of this yeah, situation. And pushes his piano away. Oh, that's... <laughs> so, and... Um... Here comes Louis jumping in the middle of things as he loves to do. Um, just, just a note about Sam's piano. Um, it went on auction a couple of years ago, and when I saw that, I was like, "Oh man, if I were rich, I yeah. would so over that." I mean, it's a beautiful little piano. Um, I, I, the auction site uh, Bonhams, I think, had color pictures of it up, and it, it looks even better in color than it does in black and white. 
Uh, oh, opportunity lost. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <I was> no. <laughs> I think this is the second podcast in a row where I've talked about pianos. I, I could have a whole little uh, <laughs> great oh. pianos. <laughs> have a lot of opinions on uh, pianos in film, do you? I just love them. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I, I love them, and uh, well, I love pianos in general, and yeah. I like to see them in films. That there, there is a um, there's actually a Twitter account all about lamps of film noir. That's what it's called, the lamps of film noir. So. Mm. Um, <laughs> Must <laughs> have little niche interests about uh, classic film. I'm, I'm not the only one here. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, that makes sense. And here we again, just Rick, just being the most, the coolest, most charming guy in the world, doesn't sit and eat with anybody, but he sits for Victor because he's very well respected around the world. He is. Mm -hmm. I, and I love that line when he hears a lot about Rick's in Casablanca and about Victor Laszlo everywhere. Great line. Yes, yes. And um, just the fact that um, that Victor was in a concentration camp. I mean, and it's really interesting to me that they were talking about concentration camps in 1942 Hollywood films. Yeah. I mean, they knew stuff. And uh, the way they talk about them in these in uh, this movie makes them, well, they, they don't go into detail. Yeah. But it makes them very real like victor has that scar uh, on his face and he talks about he, he he very vaguely mentions ways they tried to make him talk and so you know something really foul is going on there but they're not they're not getting into it but mm -hmm. they are mentioning and so yeah. I, I think the thing is extremely interesting yeah and i i it, you know we, the time passed but there was that moment when uh uh the uh, Rick's, I guess, what would you call her, a girlfriend? Mm -hmm. <laughs> she was uh, at the bar getting drunk because she was, you know, she fell in love with Rick, and Rick doesn't did uh, you know return the favor, yeah. and I uh, kind of blew her off, and she felt very hurt. Uh, it implied that they slept together, and mm -hmm. especially when he takes uh, he tells his bartender to take her home, and it's like, yes, boss. He's like, and come right back. Like, yes, boss. Yeah. <laughs> kind of a lot of implications in a movie that, you know, they're not allowed to talk about sex. They're not allowed to have characters who have slept together. And they were very careful to make sure that they wouldn't yeah. imply too much. But, uh, yeah, it's all, it's, and it, it's every one of the movies made in, in this, in that period did a great yeah, they, job. <laughs> they find ways to make sure you know what's going on. Yeah. Um, and okay here comes the piano again yeah. <laughs> and, and here comes iconic rick with his cigarette and his drink getting maudlin mm -hmm. over this woman who of all the gin joints in all the world <laughs> she walked into his <laughs> um i mean that that uh that moment that shot is just absolutely iconic yeah. and, and i mean Bogart sells it so well, just with that facial expression and those wounded eyes and that mm -hmm. voice and that pounding the table. You know, he doesn't he doesn't oversell it, but he sells it. Yeah, of all the gin joints and all the towns and all the world, she walks into mine. Perfect. Yeah. And even the line before, it's uh, you know, I would eleven forty five. It's December eleventh. You know, eleven forty five yes. in Casablanca. What time is it in New York? That, yeah. I don't know why, but that's such a cool question. It, it's, it says so much. And oh. yeah. and Sam's answer, my watch stopped. I mean, that's just the perfect. 
children. Uh, the, these lines, uh, I mean, you, you could just talk for ages about this script and how wonderful it is. But an interesting thing about it is that it's, it's so mature and sophisticated because they're not trying too hard to be mature and sophisticated. They're, they're speaking straightforwardly, mm -hmm. but there's just sort of poetic feel, yeah. a, 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 a twist to these lines that just makes them uh, great. Perfectly said. Yeah, I think you're right. They, they, they're talking more like, uh, you know, and it's funny because uh, when you're young and you start watching all these classic movies, you start to ask yourself, why are they talking like that? Did people talk like that? Like, that's not how people talk, is it? And, and you know, as you grow up, you, you realize, oh, it's part of the, you know, part of the, how acting was back then, just how they performed. And here, it's not like that. They, they like you mentioned, they talk like people talk, only with perfect lines and perfect cadence. But <laughs> they, they talk but like to imagine ourselves talking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, here we have Elsa and uh, and Rick in in Paris. He's remembering when yes, he first with, met her with, with the little shot of the Eiffel Tower in the background, just mm. so you absolutely know for sure we're in Paris. Yeah. <laughs> Which, uh, from what I understand, they just redressed uh, the uh, Morocco streets for all, all these shots to look like Paris, and uh, that, they, yeah. I, thought they, I thought they actually just filmed in filmed pretty much the whole thing in the studio with a lot of, um, uh, what's the term I want? Uh, process shots or, or oh, yeah. background shots. I, I forget the term. But yeah, I, I think this was mostly in the studio. Yeah, but uh, like the, the soundstage of the Morocco Moroccan streets. Yeah, they, they just used the same. I, I got what you, I, I see. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, you know, just why not? <laughs> you yeah. got a bunch. Of <laughs> no, that's what you do. And um, for all the information you get in this flashback, there's a lot left out too. Like, how did they meet, and where did they meet, and yeah, how and, did they fall in love, and yeah. And here again, another implication. Although she, although he's in a suit, she's in a nightgown. Mm -hmm. And they've been spending a lot of time together, so the audience knows that they've been sleeping together. But uh, you know, it's not not enough for the Hollywood senses to uh, to, uh, to cut it, you know, to to shut it down. So here she's sort of hinting at her her uh, her past, but not really getting into it. Mm -hmm. um, so he knows that there used to be a man, but there's not a man anymore. And or or so or so they both think at this uh, yeah, particular. <laughs> Which again, another thing is that uh, they did sleep together. So he cheated on her husband. That's not good. That's not good for the censors. But of course, they think they think he's dead. So that kind of you know that was mitigating. Okay. Yeah. So here, here the the uh, the Nazis are invading Paris. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and they're listening to the, the German over the loudspeaker, and and she's worried about him. She, she's worried about yet another man, yeah. uh, in her life becoming the victim of the, the Nazis. Um, I mean, I can't even imagine what it, what it <laughs> must have been like to be a civilian in Europe at this particular yeah. moment. It's 
it, it must, I mean, you feel like the ground being pulled out from under you. Yeah. And again, she has a type that both her husband and Rick were both freedom fighters. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, not that that's, not that that's a bad type to have, but yeah, it does mean you <laughs> a lot of turmoil. She, yeah. She sure can pick them, man. <laughs> Just people do gooders who uh, put their lives in danger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's gotta be rough. So uh, here they are with um, Sam again. And, and this is, is she, at this point she finds out, right. That her husband's still alive. I, I've always been a bit fuzzy on that. I've, I've never been quite sure at which particular moment she finds out because she sort of, she says she's going to meet him at the train. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so it, 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 on the one hand, it seems like she's really planning to, but on the other hand, then she's like, what if something would happen to me um, and so forth and so on. So, I, I mean, I wonder like if she knows at this point, then why didn't she just, uh, leave Rick a note and leave before this whole scene happened. I, I'm, I'm always confused about that. Yeah. that. That may be one of those things that you talk about that don't quite make sense, but we forgive anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and here, yeah, there's... And they're saying that uh, they're in Paris and they're saying that the Nazis will arrive in Paris by the next day. And so they essentially are making plans to to get out. Yeah. I, I think this is interesting, the spot here where they sort of acknowledge the age difference between the actors. Um, <laughs> yeah. A ton. And we're always talking about this, uh, movie fans. You get it. You have a ton of age discrepancies in, mm-hmm. in leading couples but sometimes a lot of times it's just not acknowledged here it's sort of like winked at like uh, 10 what they say 10 years ago yeah. she was getting braces. he was like fine get it, working his first job or something like yeah. that so so uh, and obviously i uh, honestly i don't think they even really needed to bother with that because um i don't think but well, well, bogart has that sort of craggy looking face but i don't think the age gap between them is so like immense that it needed to be commented on, but they comment on it anyway. So I, mm. I find that interesting. Yeah. It could possibly be that she was like, you know, maybe a preteen getting braces and he was a teenager, you know, mm. looking for his first job because teenagers worked back then. They, you know, That's a good, point. good point. Yeah. So, so here, here's, um, here she's sort of planning to get out with him, but she's also sort of like, yeah. um, water (laughs) which is like we were talking about a minute ago it's so hard to figure out okay exactly what's going through her head at this point and what does she know and what does she not know yeah and a a major part of her acting is her eyes how yes that that is what makes it so amazing how she studies when she's talking to somebody how she studies their face you know how she looks down she looks away it's she does amazing things with her eyes that like that project so much of what's happening inside her head. Yes, she's really, really good at that. And then uh, he's already said it once already, right? The famous line. Here's looking at you, kid. Yeah. Um, I. 
I'm not sure. I, I think, no, you're right. I think he did. I think he said it earlier in the flashback. Mm. Uh, so, yeah. Um, yeah, that that's, I mean, something else iconic in this movie. And I, I love mm. that shot as she knocks over the champagne glass. That, that's <laughs> sort of a little, a little moment, a little shot that just uh, is so significant. Yeah. And um, here we are in the madhouse of the train station, everybody Everyone. trying to get the Yeah. And um, the, the, we're going to have the letter in the rain with the, the ink running. I, I, I was reading something about the director, Michael Curtis, um, who also uh, was European and I, I think Hungarian. I think there were a lot of Hungarian uh, actors and, and, uh, and on the production team. Um, but somebody was saying that he tended to think in pictures. Hmm. And I think why you get so many great visuals in this movie, um, that, that, uh, that bit with the letter just being one of them. Um, I mean, it's wonderful that he had such a fabulous script to work with, but his expertise, I think they were saying, was more on the visual side of things. So he was taking care of that angle mm. while his writers were coming up with all these iconic lines. <laughs> and uh, so everything is just coming together perfectly to to um, to make this a great movie on all fronts. Yeah. And oh, and uh, speaking of that line, I uh, hear looking at you. Apparently, it's not in any script for the of the movie. Any of That's the movie scripts. Mm hmm. He was uh, he actually was teaching Ingrid Bergman how to play poker and was like trying to teach her poker terms. And I mm -hmm. guess here's looking at you is one line that I, I never knew. But uh, he put it in, you know, he said it once. And then it just made it because uh, those scenes that the flashback scenes were the first scenes they shot because he said it in one scene. Now, all of a sudden, now he could say it throughout the rest of the movie and it becomes important. And it works. <laughs> it, yeah. It's sort of their line, just like they have their song. And um, the, the way she comes in just there, I mean, this woman knows how to make an entrance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, light on her and like dressed all in white. And she's like a being from another realm coming in. And he's just like stuck here, mired in his own little dark cloud. And, mm. and, um, it's just uh, so beautifully shot. And he and Bogart knocked over the glass, too, just like she did in the flashback, which yeah. is a nice little uh, callback. So. And, and he's like drunk out of his mind and being yeah. bitter and. Uh, very mean. <laughs> very, very... <laughs> which is interesting because, uh, yeah, that's when he gave up on everything. Yeah, I guess the yeah. Germans marching into Paris and, you know, at the same time, his girlfriend abandoning him kind of mm -hmm. uh, really ruined life for him. So, yeah, yeah. Incidentally, earlier, a little earlier, they said something about the date um, and the date signals to us that it, that this was like right before Pearl Harbor. Hmm. Um, I it was December 1941. I forget what day they gave, um, but it was like, it had to be something like a week before Pearl Harbor. So, I mean, when you know that, that, that makes the timing of this incredibly interesting because yeah. it's like right before America is going to 
come into the war. This is right before like everything's going to change over there. Mm -hmm. And that's going to have huge implications for these characters lives. So, I mean, that as, as, um, complex and as tense as this situation is, things are just going to get even more <laughs> interesting, like in a week from now. And, right. and uh, it just really situates you in a time and place and, and um, makes and makes you just, it, it helps you get even more invested, I think. Mm. So Warwick is just a mess and yeah. Elsa. <laughs> He, he basically just like uh, was extremely insulting to her, and um, so she's out of there. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, he, I understand the heartbreak, but uh, yeah, she, she, what is she supposed to do? You know, she finds out that her husband's alive, and yeah, it's yeah, inconvenient I mean, timing. I, but I mean, what? what... Yeah, as they gradually sort of unfold her story, we we we. Uh, we really see how she was like basically forced by events. Now here, here we are at uh, Louis's office mm -hmm. and um, just to, again, there's like all little threads of all these different stories going on here. We'll see more of that Bulgarian couple uh, later on. And here we have uh, Ilsa in a very strange outfit. I yeah. never get this. <laughs> very, very boxy <laughs> and, he has a beautiful dress for most of the time, but I just don't get this outfit. Anyway, um, the, in this scene, we, we will find out that Ugarte, Peter Lorre, uh, Mr. Letters of Transit himself, mm -hmm. uh, got off in jail and um, did not live to uh, see another day. And uh, Louis is incredibly cavalier about it. <laughs> and if, if Claude, it, he, he's like, it, well, we'll get to it in a second. But if if Claude Rains were not this playing this part, I mean, you would be like, <laughs> I mean, stone cold here. This guy yeah. is just. <laughs> uh, I mean, but but um, I mean, he he uh, because he puts all this like charm into this role, you're just sort of left. <laughs> like, like you can't make it, but you're still you're still your jaw is kind of on the floor yeah and yeah they're again they're negotiating a deal with uh laszlo that if he hands over the, if he gives over the names of the resistance fighters in all in every country that germany wants to you know take down then they'll let yeah. him go yeah, and that's where he says his thing about the concentration camp. And, like, if you couldn't make me talk there, how are you going to make me talk here? Mm -hmm. So um, you 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 really get the sense of how Victor's been through it, and he's been strong, and he's, like, not going to give way. Yeah. I always wonder about stuff like this, you know, whether it's politicians or soldiers or people, you know, who have to give their lives fully to a movement or a cause or something. When they have people in their lives, loved ones, children, wives, like how much of a responsibility do they have to their own life? Like, you know, because now their life doesn't belong to them anymore. There's another person who's important. And, yeah. Yeah. You know. and that, that, that will, that will become a, a, a really big theme. And uh, here, here's the part where they, uh, they're going to bring up Ugarte's death and, uh, Renault gets his line about, you know, we're trying to decide now how he died. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. 
yeah. just so cool. Jeez. It's like, <laughs> like yeah they're literally telling them and again they tell victor laszlo this because that's his chance to escape he went mm-hmm. to casablanca to get those letters of transit so he can leave and he can go to the united states and be safe but yeah. they just informed he him he's yeah he's gone your chance of leaving is now done you're stuck yeah, here and, and uh, we we uh we basically are in charge of your fate mm-hmm. so uh cooperate yeah exactly but again you know in reality nazis would just you know arrest him like what why are you even bothering but again it's the movie's this much you know the movie would suffer in that case it wouldn't make a compelling story and we wouldn't be in love with it as we are Mm -hmm. so here we are at uh the blue parrot owned by uh sydney green street why can't i think of the character's name (laughs) Yeah, let me pull it up here. I don't guys, I can't think of his. <laughs> but, but, uh, and, but he's looking very dapper in his fez. And, uh, Ferrari? <laughs> Ferrari, thank you. Gosh, I don't know why I couldn't think of that. <laughs> yeah, um, what's his, uh, it's, um, Roger Ebert was talking about how this character is obviously not from Morocco, but he's kind of ingratiated himself to it because this is his home. This is where he does his business. So now he, you know, he's, he's happy to follow the customs wearing the hat and, you know, his greetings and such. He's obviously not from here, but he wants, you know, he, for either his business or for whatever, he's, you know, become a member of this country now. When in Rome and all that. Yeah. 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 And, uh, mm-hmm. Victor. And he's, uh, yeah, he's essentially negotiating with, uh, with the uh, Ferrari here. Mm-hmm. Because. Yeah, and, and and it's funny. Rick is always sort of a step ahead of uh, Victor here, <laughs> even though Victor is the wily resistance fighter who's like uh, bounced around from country to country and knows all the ropes. <laughs> yeah, uh, I should point out here that uh, this is the movie that made Bogart huge. Uh, he mm. used to play gangsters in all of his movies, and uh, the studios actually didn't want him wearing a hat. Because it would be too much, you know, too similar to the characters he plays in those gangster films. And so when he played here, when he was in Casablanca, it showed his range, how much more he could do. Yeah, I mean, they they didn't know if he could be a romantic leading le- leading man until he showed that he could. But but uh, there was a lot of doubt and a lot of uncertainty. And, and uh, but he, you know, he did it. <laughs> he, yeah. he really... Just um, it, it's a terrific performance, and and um, would uh, would, would sort of just recast his whole image, and um, he 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 would go on to play a pretty wide variety of roles, but now I think we remember him as the sort of sort of Rick sort of guy, and yeah. not like like we we know okay bogart can be a gangster okay we know he can be like the guy from the african queen or um what was it the cane mutiny or he can do a lot of things but 
usually when you think Bogart now, you think Casablanca first and that little bit of, you know, romantic under the sort of gruff exterior. And uh, he just he just uh, made that his image. He made that who he was. Yeah. And so she Elsa is just sort of like unveiling her story for Rick, like a little piece at a time. Mm -hmm. And uh, she, she's, um, I, I think she just, uh, I'm sorry, I was talking over it, but I think she just told him that she was married to Victor and, uh, and yeah. was even when she Rick in Paris. So, so now Rick is like sort of over and she left him with that. And he's got that to chew on. Yeah. And again, you, this is the, uh... This is the deal that Rick asked uh, Ferrari to to make is, you know, don't let Laszlo out, like you know, or only give one letter of transit or you know one visa for one of them, and Victor is trying to get uh, Elsa to go, like I want mm -hmm. you to be safe. You leave and I'll stay here try to figure things out, and yeah. she doesn't want to leave him behind. Yeah, and um, they. They talk about how he wouldn't leave her behind when she was sick before, and so she's not going to leave him behind either. And it, it's, I mean, it really is very sweet. I mean, as, as we'll find out, you know, that they have sort of a, what you might call a complicated marriage. <laughs> 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 but uh, with, with her um, kind of being in love with both of them at the same time. Yeah. But... Uh, I mean, there's no, there's never any question that uh, they they care about each other and they want what's best for each other, and mm -hmm. um, so yeah, like I said, complicated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and again, uh, he's Victor. They both decided that now we're gonna keep looking for two visas because we need, you know. Yeah. I like that parrot shadow on the wall. I just, I just noticed that, you know, as, as many oh. times as I've watched <laughs> the movie, you always notice something new. And, and again, the, a little um, sign of uh, Cortese's visual flair. Yeah. I, I find it so interesting by the way that um, Peter Laurie was killed off so early. I mean, obviously he had to be for the plot, but, but um, I mean, talk about like, like we talk about Janet Lee being killed off and, early in Psycho, and that's a big deal, but I mean, like, you're killing Peter Laurie off early, and that's <laughs> he was, he was, uh, he was such a, an incredible actor, and, uh, you know, yeah, had no reputation, and, and, uh, it's, it, it sort of drives home, you know, just how high the stakes are, I think. Right, but, and it showed, but it, like, he's one of the most memorable characters in this movie, and it's, yes. because of the kind of character he is, he is the funny moment when, <laughs> when uh a pick a pickpocket that we've been seeing throughout like you know in the background of most of the movie just pop up here and there bumps into the waiter and he checks his wallet really quickly <laughs> yes and uh yeah the, this is like one of the most iconic scenes in the whole movie filled with like, iconic lines but the scene itself is uh one of the i most mean important. it's just yeah, so great in every way, and so important. Yes. Mm -hmm. And again, I, meeting Elsa is starting to melt Rick's heart. It's he's uh, you know he he's turned to stone. He's very angry and uh, you know bewildered now. 
but uh, because of what happened and he's starting to, uh, I don't know, have more of a compassion. Yes. So Yvonne has uh, gone over to the enemy, yeah. <laughs> as they say. <laughs> and, um, uh, yeah, it seems like a kind of a drastic way to respond to a breakup, but I guess um, <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, some, sometimes uh, people do things in a very dramatic way in this uh, situation. Yeah, and we have a French soldier angry with her for going out with the Nazi, and so now they're two men fighting over her, uh, sort of. But you could see, like, you know, they're occupied. The You know, the French here are occupied, and they're, they have to go along with it, but they're not happy about it. There's a lot of tension, obviously, between the two, mm-hmm. you know, the two sides. Yeah. And, uh... Louis again talking about his uh, his willingness to go along to get along and uh, mm-hmm. ha- having uh, no conviction. So again, he's sort of exemplifying the the way so many people are living in this place in this moment. Yeah. But and and for him, I mean, he oh, I love this little couple. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> stop myself mid-sentence but uh they're going to america they're practicing their english and they are adorable yeah and just i mean we talked about all the actors being refugees and and how interesting their stories are but just the characters too have all these wonderful little plots and subplots and threads and it it's just yeah we catch them at all different kinds of moments in their lives. These two are so happy and hopeful because they're finally going. And um, that then in a minute, we'll see a couple that's desperate and, and don't have any hope or hardly any hope. Mm-hmm. And so it, that's, this movie just does that so well, catching people at all different uh, places in their particular story. Yeah. And, their and journey then here, to... yeah. And so here's, here's a woman who is like trying to uh, get out and is forced to consider um, sleeping with Louie to get her visa for her and her husband. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, I mean, these two are absolutely desperate. And, and you know, on, on one level, you can like sort of like chuckle over Louie and his his uh, little games. And then and then now you see this woman and you see like what is the result of Louis's little games, how he's like basically forcing these women to have sex with them. So it's like, you yeah. know, it, it's, you know, that, that there's a lot that goes into this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it, and, it doesn't, yeah. movie doesn't let you sit. I, I mean, it doesn't let you sit comfortably with anything, which is, which is fascinating because we all love this movie so much. It's sort of a comfort movie in a way. And yet it doesn't let you be comfortable because one minute, it's showing you Claude Rains be impossibly charming. And then the next minute you see this girl who's like desperate not to sleep with him. And it's like, okay, so like uh, everything these people are doing has fallout. Everything takes a human toll. Everything is like, um, 
you know, you compromise somewhere and, and, uh, or you're corrupt in some way and somebody else suffers for what you're doing. So it's just, there's so much depth here. Yeah. And again, uh, kind of a scumbag that he is, he asks Rick to, you know, to let her know that yes, if you do what he say, what he says, he's trustworthy, quote unquote. He'll give you what you right. you know what you want. So, right, right, kind of putting Rick in this awkward position. And and Rick, Rick Darnett is going to do something about it. Yeah, and and that's that's such an important uh, turning point in the movie because. I mean, it's not like he's risking a lot. He, he's going to he's going to rig the roulette wheel in her husband's favor, which, I mean, we get the... We, it's made clear to us that he always has the roulette wheel rigged anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's going to rig it in their favor so that she and her husband can pay the money and get their visas on the up and up and get out. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, like, it's it's not like he needed... Rick needed that money... A lot, but he's doing something that doesn't benefit him. It benefits yeah. somebody else. And so, hello, Rick is uh, is having a moral awakening right in front of us. <laughs> and, and it's, it's interesting it's, that it all happens just as uh, Ilsa comes back into the cafe. Yeah. I mean, twice in one night, because even later on, he he does something that actually does put his bar at risk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He yeah. allows something to happen. To, yeah. Yeah. Things Things sort of start to snowball. Mm-hmm. And, and Sam's facial expressions just kill me. These people <laughs> get me out of here. <laughs> I mean, not get me out of here lo- literally because he's very loyal to Rick and, and he likes working there. But, uh, you know, how, how do I just deal with all these mm-hmm. nut jobs around me? Oh, okay. So here comes the part with the yeah. roulette. Again, in, and, he, he signals to the uh, to the roulette, you know, to the dealer. Mm-hmm. what's going to happen and because they have this little secret you know language as anybody who runs a casino would yeah he says so he says 22 and the guy knows what to do and mm-hmm. and um, and uh the the young refugees are going to get their yeah their mm-hmm. money and uh, louis is going to be put out <laughs> <laughs> his little measly yeah. pile of chips on 22 and then all of a sudden he gets a ton yeah. of money he because he did what rick said and yeah. he says, place it there again. So. <laughs> and um, this little guy over yeah, here. Yeah, I know. Sees the call. It's just so <laughs> he, he's, he knows exactly what this means. He's so happy. Right. Um, and and it's, it's, I mean, it really makes you think when, when, um, when you're living in a situation like this, when you're occupied, you're living under these, you know, horrible people. And it's like any little gesture that somebody makes in the right direction is going to make you happy mm-hmm. because you're, you're like, you know, <laughs> score one for the good guys, even yeah. if it's a <laughs> one, even if nobody else knows about it. Um, you know, somebody just did something good here and it's like a breath of fresh air. And look, <laughs> he's so excited. And it's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. And everybody's trying to thank him. And he's like, I didn't do anything. Leave me alone. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I can do a shell, but the deed is done. Yeah. I, I, I love that line. That They're like, we'll be there at six. And, and Louis's like, I will be there at 10. 
<laughs> he he ain't he, he sleeps in and he ain't changes that for nobody. <laughs> and so uh, and, his, the word is going around among the staff. Yeah, um, the bartender comes over and hugs. <laughs> Get away from me, you crazy Russian! <laughs> <laughs> again, and, all these characters are great. I I don't know uh, one bad character again. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Roger Ebert says that he doesn't like Victor Laszlo. He's just too stiff and too <laughs> not charismatic at all. I disagree. I think he's fine. Well, yeah, I, I, I really disagree. But uh, it's just the way they're able to develop a character with a few expressions and a few lines. And they do that with so many characters in this movie. Mm -hmm. And it never feels like too much. I mean, it, it's just an incredible balancing act. Yeah. And... Um, they 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 show you all these people with all these different stories and they make you, they make you care and they, they make you see what these people are all about. Mm -hmm. And yeah, again, like the movie just pauses just to introduce you to these people that you'll never see again. Like you mm -hmm. said, like the, the, the old couple who finally found, were able to get visas to leave. It's just the, the, the story stops just so that the, the bartender, like the, the waiter can have a drink with them and talk. Right about how happy they are that they're leaving. This Bulgarian couple, like, you know, you see them earlier being denied a visa and just, mm -hmm. just in passing. And then they show up again and, you know, it becomes a bit of a character, you know, like yes. kind of character development for, for Rick. But you know so much about people who you never see again, who are just tiny little characters, which is important for a movie about refugees trying to escape, you know, exactly. Nazi Germany. Exactly. It's perfect for the theme. And and every little bit contributes something to the overall movie, to the atmosphere, to the story. Um, and here comes uh, a really great scene mm -hmm. uh, with the, an anthem off. <laughs> <laughs> the Germans and the, the, the uh, French uh, will out sing each other. Well, I said the French, um, but Basically, it's like the Germans and the anti-Germans. Yeah, because, because it's he Victor Lazlo's French, but everyone there from all different, they all know the song and they sing just to, and again. Czech, and, I think he's going to be Czechoslovakian, actually. Oh, but, he is? Oh, um, wow. I thought he was French. Because I, it, I think, but he, but he is going to say, play the French anthem, and, and they do it. And, and Rick gives the nod, which, again, is hugely important. You touched on that earlier. Yeah. And so he's going to lead the effort to outsing the Germans, and uh, they do it, and it's just awesome. I mean, I can't think of anything else quite like this. And this is because oh. again, the the Russian, the Germans are singing, and that's just something that happens. You know, everybody just has to sit there and listen. And when yes. when Victor Laszlo comes and tells the band play play the French anthem. They all look at Rick like, what are we supposed to do? And Rick says, go ahead. And everybody in yeah. the bar stands up. Everybody yes. in the bar stands <laughs> up and starts singing. For this. And um, I mean, even even Yvonne, we saw, came over to came back over to the right side. Yeah. And, and poor Ilsa is just sitting there like worried to death, saying, you know, this is a grand gesture. It's great. And no, it's going to be the result of it. Mm -hmm. um, but everybody else is just so caught up in the moment. And, and so happy and um but the the nazis are not going to be happy with this yeah. and ilsa, ilsa knows that even if everybody else has forgotten about it for a minute 
Yeah, this is now and a problem. Here comes my favorite line in all of movies. Yes, it is um, absolutely. Yeah, um, because the Nazis are so unhappy with that demonstration. They're like, okay, you have to close this bar. And so Louis on the spot has to manufacture a reason. Yeah. So here he goes, and, and uh, Rick's going to come and protest. He's <laughs> <laughs> your winning, sir. <laughs> I'm shocked to find that gambling is going on in this establishment, and they hand him his winnings, and he takes them without missing a beat. Yeah, or he just, <laughs> like he's not even embarrassed. He, <laughs> I know, I know. It's just perfection, yeah. and it just I mean... It's another iconic moment because, I mean, there is so much human nature in that. Right. But, <laughs> I but, mean, when you, when you think about how how shameless we can be if one <laughs> we need to be, I mean, he goes there and it's it's just it's perfect. But again, like you said, without missing a beat, any other actor would probably have like you know looked at Rick like oh, oh or like you know look at the camera like oh oopsie daisy, but not him. He just takes the money and keeps it on his business, you know. It just goes with it, yeah. yeah. It, it and it works. It works so well. Right. And so um, everybody's clearing out. Um, Victor and Ilsa are are uh, getting out of Dodge, at least for the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we see their little apartment here, and. He has to go out yet again and they go to a secret meeting. Mm-hmm. And um, again, living with this guy must just be like living on the edge of a precipice because something horrible could happen at any second. And it would be, I mean, it would just wear you down after a while. I, I mean, know. I mean, you admire him. He's, he's so much needed. He's doing so much important work, but you're just like frantic for him all the time. <laughs> And again, he's the goodness in this movie. He he's the good guy. He's the best of everyone. Yeah. And beyond beyond just being on the right side and being a resistance fighter and fighting the Nazis, he is like the most understanding husband who ever lived. Right. <laughs> she's gonna she's gonna sort of let out to him. I mean, he has this line coming up here. I'm I'm not sure exactly where it is, but it's soon. And he says something like, when I was in a concentration camp, were you lonely? And I'm like, holy cow. (laughs) (laughs) He was in a concentration camp. I mean, he had a lot to think about. He had his own welfare to worry about. And he's wondering if she was lonely. I mean, my gosh, (laughs) I can't can't imagine being Uh. that. So, I mean, when Ebert is saying, like, maybe he's, like, stiff or he's too good or whatever he is, like... You know, okay, he he maybe seemed impossibly good, but I think you need a character like that because, like I said, you have everybody else at all points on the moral spectrum. You you have Strasser like as the ultimate evil. You kind of have to have somebody as the ultimate good, right? Uh, just to show what we're what we're fighting for, what we're aiming for, the kind of person that we're aspiring to be. And so I think Paul Henry uh, fills that role really admirably um, and uh, and just plays this character really beautifully. Right. And 
Yeah. Because every other character, like, you know, like uh, Louie or Rick or something, they're all complicated because they're good and they're bad. And that allows them to play with that charm, with that, you know, wittiness. And he's yeah. not that. He's not complicated. <laughs> he is just good. And he's brave yeah. and he's strong and he does. So, yeah, of course, there's less complication and less, you know, less to play with. But, I mean, what's he... That's his character. That's his, and it's not a flaw. Yeah. And and you have to give him this too, that he's good in a grounded sort of way because mm -hmm. he is under no illusions about what people are capable of. He knows that he's been in a concentration camp. Again, he, he has seen the worst of the worst. He he's, he's uh, been tortured. He's, I mean, like he's I said, seen he's seen death, you know, firsthand. He, yeah. Yeah. He, he's so he's not naive. There, there's nothing like, um, there's no like um, ungrounded idealism about him. There's nothing phony or fake. He, he knows that evil is real, and all he knows is that in response, he has to keep standing against it. So um, mm -hmm. it, it's very grounded sort of goodness. Yeah, and here we have even Carl the waiter. He's even going to the meeting. Like there's this, and he, yeah, again, Rick isn't this you know, this heartless guy who just doesn't care. He knows there's resistance people in his bar. He knows he, there's resistance people who are working for him. He, mm -hmm. He's on the right side, but uh, he, yeah. he doesn't want to risk too much. Yeah, he's, he, he's like, don't tell me anything. I don't want to know. Just going to go about your business. <laughs> yeah. do what you're and, um, and so he keeps, again, he's walking that line. Mm -hmm. And now here here comes Ilsa after his uh, letters of transit. <laughs> right, <laughs> which again, you know, I, I don't know. I keep bringing it up because it's it's something that just struck me that the, the Nazis know who who Victor is, and if he has the letters of transit, they're just going to say, "Well, there's nothing we can do now." Of course not, but it works for the plot and it doesn't matter because it, it, I, I don't know, I'll make something up because they wouldn't allow him in, into the United States without them. Let's just say that. That's why yeah. it's important, you know? That, that works, yeah. But, uh, and so Elsa here is now coming personally to Rick to ask him for the letters of transit and yeah. she'll do anything she can to get them, including, you know, what we're about to see, you know, pull a gun on him. Yeah. Yes, um, she will, um, she'll try, you know, appealing to the past. She'll try, she, she'll get mad at him. She'll get, she'll be appealing. She'll do, you know, whatever she has to do, like I said. Mm -hmm. And, um, and again, the, the cinematographer, the, the word I couldn't find, think of before, but the shadows yeah. on her. The lighting, it's just, they just worked to make her look, you know, incredible in this. Uh -huh. and... I know. I mean, she was so unbelievably gorgeous. It must have been an absolute pleasure to film her. Yeah. <laughs> just, just to uh, experiment with, like, what what uh, looked best at her. And uh, here, here she is with the gun. <laughs> so, <laughs> like you said, she really will try anything. Yeah. And again, the shadow works. And, it, it, you know, as I'm learning about film, like, you know, the, how the shadow falls on people, like, you know, the jagged, you know, lines across in the background. And, mm -hmm. you know, they, they really did a good job of show, of using shadow to, 
you yep. know, to depict, you know, the the emotion of the scene. And like you said, like, you know, that incredible little parrot in the background in an earlier scene. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful uh, use of shadow. Um, it's, it's pretty commonly accepted that Casablanca is not a film noir. Uh, I mean, like, if, if you watch TCM, you see this, this little clip uh, run times where Eddie Muller is like, Casablanca is not a film noir. <laughs> so, <laughs> but they do light it like one. Yes, I, I mean, they, like they, they take everything they learn from, like, film noir, and they use it in this cinema, cinematography and this use of light and shadow. And and um, so it can it can look very much like one, even though it isn't one. Right. Because again, in film noir, the bad guys are like the protagonists in the film. There's a lot of light and there's a lot of shadow, and it, you know, there's always like scheming going on, and not so much in this. So it doesn't fit the film noir, but you, like you said, the shadows, the way that they're used, you know, at least there's scenes that are film noir. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could you could put it like that. Yeah, this this scene right here, just uh, wow. Yeah, and and so now she's telling him the rest of the story, as, as they say, about how how she thought Victor was dead, and it turned out he wasn't, and she had to go to him. Uh, so so they wait till like, what is it? It's, it's almost an hour and a half into the movie to give us the full story of what happened and why she did what she did, which is um. A very interesting way of doing it. They they very ha slowly have spun her story out. Uh, it it makes for an interesting contrast. We were talking just a minute ago how with some of these small um, some of these characters, uh, some of, some of the more minor characters, you get their whole story in a moment or in a handful of moments. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas by contrast, Ilsa's story is very slowly unfurled for us. Yeah. So. Um, all kinds of methods of storytelling at work here, which is, um, again, shows a very masterful hand. Yeah. And again, like, you know, kind of left him so that the Gestapo wouldn't find him. Mm -hmm. And doing, she knows how to date a, uh, a freedom fighter. She, she knows yeah. what, she knows what's involved and she knows how to do it. She's. Yes. And incidentally, um, Aside from that one outfit I mentioned earlier, she has this amazing wardrobe. But, I mean, you have to wonder, like, how is she carting all these clothes all around here? <laughs> Staying one step ahead of the Nazis. I yeah. mean, you got to hand it to the girl. <laughs> like uh, like the Howells on, uh, in uh, yes. Gilligan's Island. Like, why yes. do they bring so many clothes on a three-hour tour? <laughs> so they're wearing new clothes throughout the entire series. And here we have... <laughs> Two freedom fighters on the run from Nazis, and yet she's bringing her whole wardrobe with her. And it's yeah. quite funny. Which again, Victor is bringing a few stunning suits as well. So, yes, and looks yeah, and hair pomade because his hair is on point. Uh the pomade in old movies. I mean, it just—I <laughs> look at these guys like greasing their hair within an inch of its yeah. life, and they all like all of them uh, without without any exceptions that I can think of. And you're like, what a weird style, you know? I mean, why would you 
why would you want to do that? Why would you want your hair to feel like that? It's like, ew. Yeah. And considering how, like in these movies, how they make out, like these, these characters neck and they run their hair, their fingers through each other's hair. You gotta, God, you gotta (laughs) wash your hands after, (laughs) after kissing someone. I will never understand it. Now I will say it looked pretty good on some guys. I mean, it, it, you know, the, the slick back look, it, it, it worked, but uh, was it worth it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, yeah. I mean, who first came up with, oh, let's make our hair all greasy, and then everybody <laughs> caught on. I mean, that, that was one fad that I would not have expected to catch on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, fads are weird. And um, so uh, Victor has showed up. They got to get Ilsa out of there, and mm-hmm. uh, Carl, the waiter, is put in charge of that effort. Yeah. And um, and was this the moment when she decided to stay or to to leave with Rick? Um, I think I think it's where she tells him that he has to think for both of them, uh, which um, I, I, it seems, I don't know. It, it's weird to me. It seems a little passive. But then again, she's she's been on the run for a long time. She's tired. She's worried. I think maybe she's just in a mood where she and, and she knows that Rick is um, trustworthy in his way. And and I think she's maybe just ready to hand off responsibility to somebody else for a while, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I guess, is how I would sort of um, analyze that that moment. And um, here's Victor trying to pull Rick back into the into the fight against yeah. the bad guy. And, and, and I like, I really like the scene for Victor because again, this is where we, we get reminded that, you know, he's not naive. He's not, he's not just, he's not a foolish idealist. He, he knows exactly what he's doing and what's at stake. And, and um, he has, again, he has a very straightforward way of putting things mm-hmm. that uh, really works well for the character. And he's he's um, he's trying to ensure Ilsa's safety, which again is uh, more evidence of um, how yeah. noble he is. But yeah. she loves her too. Yeah, and it's at some point, obviously, he finds out that you know what happened between her and Rick, and he says, "Okay, that's fine, but uh, I'll uh, you know just as long as you keep her safe, you know, I won't yeah. mind you taking her away." Yeah. And here there's another great line from Rick. It seems that destiny has taken a hand. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he's, I mean, events are just like moving yeah. really fast. Now, and, and he's just sort of deciding Which, what he's going to do about them. Yeah. And the audience doesn't know this yet, but uh, Rick has devised a scheme himself. He, it, it appears that he handed, you know, uh, Victor over to the Nazis, to the Gestapo for his arrest and in order for him, Rick to run away with Elsa and he, you know, he's talking to Louie about it and what's. Yeah. And, and um, I mean, he really is a, he really is a good schemer. I mean, because he's able to take, take what people expect of him and sort of use that to his advantage. Mm-hmm. Like everybody, uh, everybody thinks I just might be the kind of person who, um, who would do this for a beautiful woman. And, um, and, uh, I mean, 
Louis delighted by it. He's like, oh, I always knew you were a romantic. And, and uh, <laughs> so told about having been right about Rick, uh, as he thinks, mm-hmm. that he's going to look any deeper into. Yeah. And uh, again, one of uh, Louis' best lines is early in the movie when he's like, when he's trying to find out from Rick, like how he ended up in Casablanca. He's like, why'd you leave America? Did you... Uh, run away did you sconce with the church funds did you leave yeah. did you run away with the governor's wife i'd like to think uh, you killed a man it's a romantic in me i know <laughs> that's a great line and um and they and they've carried that all the way through to here where louis is just like ha i was right i win and and yeah. um and so he very he allows the wool to be uh pulled over his eyes yeah. as clever as he thinks he is <laughs> And that's a that's a really good scheming right there. <laughs> yeah. And again, again, yeah, they're he's uh, Rick is playing everybody because not even yeah. Victor or Elsa know what he's planning. Yes, I mean, right? He he has a, told a soul. Mm-hmm. Which is important for everybody. It's important to get Victor to where he needs to be. It's important for Elsa because she won't leave if she knew what the plan was. You know, she wouldn't be there. And so, yeah, it's it's uh, it's really important that nobody knows or else they they wouldn't go along with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's even making arrangements uh to uh, turn over the cafe to um, Ferrari. Mm-hmm. And so you know something big is going down. I mean, he wouldn't be doing this if something big weren't going down. So so even the audience is sort of grasping, like that maybe like 1% of the population that hasn't seen this movie yet. <laughs> right. Is, is grasping at what, what's, what's he doing? What's he planning? What's going on here? So, Which, uh, you know, at this point, perhaps, I mean, I, I I could imagine a lot of people hadn't seen this movie, but know everything about it just be, by. Right, right. Um, it, it's it's so influenced the popular culture. It's so leaked into the culture. Um, it's like somebody uh, reportedly somebody once set up of Hamlet that it was made up entirely of quotations. And you could say <laughs> the same thing about Casablanca, because even if you don't know it, you know the line. Yeah. So here, here, uh, here we go. Putting things into motion. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of sad to think about Rick's cafe without Rick there. Yeah. And uh... <laughs> again, a great line. Like, where were the letters of transit in the piano? He's like, ah, serves me right for uh, for not what is for not enjoying music. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and so everybody's uh, moving into place here, and and again, it's it's um, you have to wonder. Okay, so Ilsa thinks she's going away with Rick. How exactly does she plan to tell Victor that? I mean, right. okay, it's been established that Victor is the most understanding and wonderful husband in the world, and he would probably like gulp a little bit and then heroically say goodbye to her. Right. But it's just, I, 
after they've been through so much, I mean, could she really go through with it? I, I, I almost have to wonder, could she when it got right down to the moment? I, I, I don't know if I could. Right. <laughs> However, I, I don't know if I could go through with it. Mm -hmm. So and... Louis thinks that, uh, that Rick brought Victor to him to, to, to be arrested. Uh, and then here's, the plot twist. <laughs> the plot twist. It's actually, you know, uh, Rick pulls a gun on Louis to get them to the airport. Uh, she, you know, she Victor wouldn't go to the airport unless, you know, he knew that uh, that, that Elsa was going. Elsa yeah. wouldn't go unless she knew, you know, unless she knew she was going away with Rick. Mm -hmm. So everybody's been lied to. And it's so beautifully set up. He, you got to feel for Rick. He's he's um, <laughs> juggling all these characters and their motives, and having to make sure every everybody will do what he wants them to do, and and for the reasons that they would do it. And <laughs> right. And um, Louis had a great line just now about Rick, Rick was aiming at his heart, and he said, "Fortunately, that is my least vulnerable spot." <laughs> <laughs> and again, Louis is being suave to the end, and he he didn't even he hardly even changed expression. When um, when Rick pulled his little stunt, interesting that you see the photo of Hitler there on the wall. I mean, mm. we we we've heard so little. I mean, we've heard a lot about the Nazis. We've heard a, comparatively little about Adolf Hitler. But then there he is, yeah. the big bad in the background, sort of watching things unfold here. So the fog here. I mean, I, yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not a very brave uh, flyer. I really wouldn't like to take off in this fog. Right. <laughs> um, and especially not in a in a vintage 1940s airplane. But mm -hmm. uh, it, it's <laughs> that we're dealing with some very brave people. And I guess it's, uh, anyway, if that's your only way out of Casablanca, you take it. Yeah. So here, uh, Rick finally shows his hand. Yeah. And we're going to get this this uh, amazing sort of farewell scene um, with all these mm -hmm. wonderful things. <laughs> and because this is imp all of this is important, Victor will not leave without Elsa. But Rick knows that Victor has to go in order for the resistance to continue fighting the Nazis. Yeah. And so he and now, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, oh, well, yeah. And so it's important to the world and it's important to her that they leave together. Now, here's another spot. Again, you got me thinking about all this. Here's another spot where you think, OK, does Victor, would Victor's whole effort really fall apart if it also wasn't with him? It's been established that he's incredibly noble. He's a great freedom fighter. Couldn't he just carry on alone? And so I, I've been giving that a lot of thought. And I'm thinking, is that for real? Or is that just another thing that we have to sort of go along with? Um, but what, what, what occurred to me is that Rick doesn't want to take the risk that Victor will end up like him. Because when he lost Ilsa, he went all bitter and cynical. And, well, I'm not going to fight the bad guys anymore. So right. Oh, wow. Yeah. That Victor will will become like 
that. So, so I guess when you think about it, it, it really does work. I, I wasn't sure at first that it did, but I think it kind of does. Mm-hmm. We don't know that Victor would become like that, but Rick isn't going to risk it. And here, here is Victor again being like incredibly understanding. And um, yes, I, I, I know my wife uh, is in love with you and all that, but I forgive everything, and I'm just that kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, honestly, he is. I mean, there, there's just something you really, you really have to um, love about him. And, and again, it's a case of a great actor. Um, Paul Henry putting it across. He doesn't overplay it. He underplays it really. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just works. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, it, it, Paul Henry did a lot of movies like, like most of the actors here. Uh, he wasn't just Victor Laszlo. He, he was in a lot of, uh, movies, but again, mainly re- remembered, I think for Casablanca, just because, it's a great movie and he gave a great performance. Yeah, he did. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of uh, Roger Ebert, but I completely disagree with him on this one. Uh, with a lot of things. He, he had a lot of controversial opinions, but uh, certainly yeah. this yeah. one. Yeah. Sometimes even if you respect a critic, you, you got it, you know, know there are moments when they just like are not right. <laughs> yeah. And, so, uh, and, and, yeah. No, I just noticed uh, for the first time, probably he's wearing a white hat. Victor. Oh, point. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> um, and, and incidentally, I mean, you could just like watch this scene for the hats alone. Everybody's hats in this scene. Are so good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, the the I mean, this movie and the fedoras in it are. You, you right. just have to. And, and you being such an expert on style and so forth, I mean, you could probably do a whole podcast just on the costumes of Casablanca. Oh, sure. Yeah, just like how everything fits well, how everything, you know. And here we have, uh, you know, now Rick is going to be arrested because he allowed Victor to leave. And here he, he- yeah. He's got his gun, and and uh, he was not afraid to use it. Mm-hmm. And so now Rick shoots Strasse, and here show you know comes the police to arrest you know whoever's responsible. <laughs> Just again another another funny scene. You have uh, the you know the captain Round of the, the- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the the you know the, all the Nazi you know the head of the Nazis has been shot. We have Rick holding a gun. And they're like, so who's responsible for this? <laughs> like, go round up all the usual suspects. <laughs> uh-huh. And, uh, I mean, finally, you see Louis putting his authority to good use mm-hmm. and doing the right thing. And, oh, and this little moment with the Vichy water is wonderful because yeah. um, it, it just, it just um, well, I sort of jumped the gun a little bit. He doesn't do it yet, but he's about to do it. Mm-hmm. There he goes. <laughs> yeah. Um, just like, I mean, rejecting the Vichy France uh, or the Vichy government in one fell swoop just by dumping the water in yeah. the trash. <laughs> uh, so, um, I mean, there, there are, this ending is so great in every way. Mm-hmm. And 
it, in some ways, it, you know, you almost feel like I kind of want a sequel. And then in some ways you don't because like, I mean, you cannot improve on perfection <laughs> and it, any sequel would be bound to be something of a letdown just because what could live up to this movie. So, but, but it would be nice to know, okay, so what happened to, to all these people and, um, but we, we don't know. And, and I mean, to think that this was made uh, mid war when they didn't know how things were going to turn out. Yeah. Uh, just amazing because I, we end on an optimistic note and Rick back in the fight on the right side. Mm-hmm. And, so, and Louis it, joining it, him. I mean, essentially. I mean, finally Louis redeems himself, and that's wonderful because um, if this character and this actor have been winning you over, it, it's good to see him redeem himself like that. Um, but yeah, people didn't know how the war was going to end, but this had to have given them maybe just a little bit of a lift. I, ho- I hope it did. I, right. I would think it would. And oh man, it's just so there you go. Like again, my favorite film of all time. I've seen yeah. it a million times. It's I I can't see a flaw in it. I mean, I'm sure I could, you know, we could pick nitpick here things uh, things here and there, uh, but I I can't see them. I everything's forgiven in my view because it's so perfectly put together and made. Every character is important. Every you know little scenes are you know say so much. Uh, you know, Ingrid Bergman, probably the best of all the actors in this. It's just so well, you know, does such a great job. So it's, it's just beautifully done. Yeah. Absolutely beautifully done. There's a reason that, that it's so perennially popular and I think always will be. Yeah, um, absolutely. It. So there you go. Casablanca. Uh, <laughs> anything else to say? Uh, I don't know what more can be said. <laughs> yeah, I think I don't know if we stop talking throughout the whole thing. It, it, it's, it's a wonderful movie and uh, just worth watching again and again. Like like we said earlier, to catch all the little things that you missed the last time you watched it. Yeah, because again, it, and so so where history and pop culture collide, the movie wouldn't be as important if all those people weren't in the movie who. They themselves escaped, Germany, you know Germany, and yep. the actors who were so brilliant, you know Peter Lorre, you know is in this movie because he escaped Nazi Germany, and mm-hmm. which anybody out there I recommend Maltese Falcon watch M, you know it's a foreign film and but it is such an amazing performance and again he is only in the movie at the end, not to spoil it, but it's an old movie. He's only in it for a short period of time. He's only in this for a short period of time, but he leaves such an impact. That's mm-hmm. what an amazing actor he is. So yeah, he can even, do, he can even do comedy. If you look at, if you watch arsenic and old lace, I oh, mean, he is, geez, yeah. he is, he is one of the highlights of a very funny movie, a, <laughs> a, a, a movie that's funny in a very dark way. Uh, which makes him sort of perfect for it. Right. And I, just everything he does is just wonderful. <laughs> right. So, so there you go. Casablanca, uh, you know, wonderful. And I, again, we, we could do, we could do this movie again and just have a we million more things to say. <laughs> we probably could. Uh, so there you go. 
Casablanca, Gina DeFonzo, thank you so much for uh, joining us again. Oh, it was so much fun. Thank you. Yeah. And again, thanks for recommending it. So uh, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Let us know what you thought of the movie. Uh, if you get a chance to watch it, if you haven't, please do yourself a favor. It's just... You know, it's one of those that you could watch over and over again and never gets old. So, thank you for joining us. And until next time, see ya. Bye. You've been listening to the Commentarians Podcast, a Raven Creek Social Club production. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you like what you heard, please leave us a review on iTunes. If you'd like to support our show, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash thecommentarians. Thank you for listening, and until next time, remember, movies are a reflection of our lives and of other people's lives, and we get to experience them together. Come back to the movies with us. We love sharing them with you.